Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A man was taking a trip to uh, Las Vegas, a business trip, took his wife. They landed in, in Las Vegas, and first night there, he thought he'd go down to the casino floor and just observe what was going on. And so uh, he was watching the roulette table, decided to put a couple dollars down, started winning. But $2 turned into $50,000. He got hot. And so he, uh, he's getting ready to cash in his chips, all 50000 And he thought, nah, I'm going to give it one more shot. Put it all in on 14 black. Will spun and wound up on 12 red. So he walked away and went back up to the room. His wife said, well, she said, did you, did you gamble any money? He said, sure did. She said, how'd you do? He said, not bad. I lost a couple of bucks. <laughs> now, that's a different outlook. That's a different perspective. I know some of us, I wouldn't have even told Joy that I was up to fit. I'd, I'd probably said the same thing. Oh, not bad, sweetheart. I only lost $2, not 50K. But the outlook is, is what I was talking about. We're dealing with times. We, we started a series last week called Times Like These. And um, in times like these, we can't control everything that's going on. We can't control all the events that are taking place. We can't control the economy, the government, all the things that are happening. We can't control people. You figure that out by now. But what we can control is our outlook. And our outlook is, what I'm saying is, is the way that we interpret and respond to different situations. Another word for outlook is our belief about the future. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you about, in times like these, developing an uncommon outlook. Now, there are different factors that are involved in, in, in what your outlook currently is made up of. A lot of times it's made up of your background. How were you raised? My father was, grew up very poor. He was born in the 30s in Georgia. And uh, was, his mom was often a single mother. He was raised poor. There were times he didn't have enough to eat. I was not raised poor. My dad put himself through school. He had a master's degree. He was a businessman, started his own business. I was very middle class. I never had to worry about eating. But with my father, it was very important that you ate all the food that was on your plate. I mean, he was, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You had parents or grandparents that were impacted by the Great Depression or had, or had grown up hungry. And I mean, we didn't have an option. It's you ate it all on onions and everything. That's where I developed this huge hatred for onions. So you say, Alan, hatred is a bad word. Well, if I had a stronger word, I would use it. But I, I hate them. And I used to, man, I would drop them in my napkin. I'd pack them in my mouth and go to the bathroom and spit them out. I hated onions. But I had to eat everything on my plate. My dad would say, this is not a cafeteria. Your mother made it, you're going to eat it. So let's fast forward to when I'm now a, a, a father. I've got children. I look at Matt one day. Matt didn't want to eat some olives. And I said, son, this is not a cafeteria. Whoa, 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 what am I doing? <laughs> and, and, and with me, it really wasn't near as big a deal that what they ate and what they didn't eat. You know, as long as they got healthy food. So background, 
can influence your, your outlook. Your experiences, good and bad, can, can influence your outlook. You know, there are people who've had bad experiences with church. We hear that a lot. Hey, I've had a bad experience with church. I've had staff members that have come in and have had bad experiences in churches that they've been. And so sometimes it, it clouds and, and, and impacts their outlook on how they interpret things with us. And so he, here's the thing about church, guys. Every, no, no church is perfect. You do know that. Because it's made up of people. And so experiences... Yeah, I had a bad experience. I got burned at church. I got hurt at church. You know, I got that. But God, that wasn't God's fault. And so bad or good, just learn to put that behind you. But it definitely has impacted your outlook. How about your, your input? What comes into you? That's another big one. Who you hang around with. What you listen to. What you, what you read. What you hear. Your input will impact your outlook. When I moved to Texas, I came to Texas from North Carolina in 1981. It was right on the heels of something called the Urban Cowboy Craze. Anybody remember the movie Urban Cowboy? John, John Travolta, the rest of you will have to Google it, but it was a movie. It was, uh, it was a big movie in, in the, I think, late, late 70s, early 80s. But it started this Western craze. I come to Texas, I'm selling Western wear. I'm selling Wrangler jeans. So I'm wearing cowboy boots. I got my Wrangler jeans, and I'm I'm the youngest salesman in the I'm the youngest salesman actually in the company. And all the people I hung around with were these older, hard partying salesmen. Every one of them was divorced or in the middle of a divorce, and these were partying guys. And so I'm hanging out with them, and I started listening to country music. I didn't grow up listening to country music. I was more of a rock and rhythm and blues guy. And so I wasn't, I wasn't into country music, but I'm down here selling Western wear. I'm going to Gillies. I got the whole experience working, right? So I start listening to country music. And country music has got a lot of loss in it. Somebody's always leaving somebody. Somebody's always hurting somebody. I, I remember there was a group that called Alabama. Remember, anybody remember them? There's an old flame burning in your eyes. The tears can't hide and makeup can't disguise. <laughs> and I, I, I started listening to country music and I'm sitting at a stoplight one day and the thought hit me, I'll probably get divorced. <laughs> now, now here's the thing. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not railing on country music. But what I'm saying is your input will affect your output and, and, and your outlook and how you see things. And so I realized I'm listening Man, country music, people are leaving somebody all the time. Nobody's ever saying, you know, she left me, but I'm praying and believing God that she'll come back. You don't hear songs like that in country music. And so I'm not, I'm not even going to get into, listen, are you, are you against country music? I, no, it's probably the cleanest genre of music that's available today. And, but here's the deal. If you're going through a hard time, you might want to put on some Christian music with something uplifting because country music is sad. <laughs> it's just like, and you're listening, you're like, yeah, I'm, that's me too. <laughs> input. So you, you, want to, you want to be careful of the input. Experience, background, input. But what about developing an uncommon outlook? And that's an uncommon outlook. It's an outlook that's not limited by your story. 
I got my story, but there's an outlook that goes beyond that. And it's actually a God-inspired outlook. Paul wrote to the church at, at Corinth, and this is what he said. He said, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's talking about a God-inspired outlook that goes beyond the realm of the physical and the tangible. And what we see is maybe our story, our experience, our background, our input leads us to this place. But God says there's a whole other realm behind that. And it's talking about a faith-based outlook as opposed to a fear-based outlook. Now, that became very real to Joy and I. When about 30 years ago, Joy was diagnosed with acute chronic pancreatitis. And she went and had a surgery. The surgery was unsuccessful. And I remember sitting in the surgeon's office and he looked at us and he shook his head. He was kind of matter of fact, he said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. He said, you might need to do something or, or at least some kind of medication because if you keep having these attacks, one of them could prove to be fatal. We got to you too late, they said. And Joy and I walked down to the, and went and got on the elevator and it seemed like we rode down a gazillion floors. We were in the med center. And it was a long, quiet ride because the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. But thank God we had heard differently. Thank God we've been brought up differently. Thank God we had heard differently that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Jesus that healed then is still the Jesus that heals today. And that there was no age of miracles. There's a God of miracles and he hasn't changed. And so our outlook was this, even though the doctor said this and we appreciate that, there's a realm beyond that that says we've got a mountain moving, prison shaking, miracle working God, and we're going to come through this situation. That gave us a whole different outlook, an uncommon outlook about our belief about the future. There's a man in the Bible that has a very good outlook. His name was Hezekiah. We can learn from him. Hezekiah was a good king. He had turned around the nation of Judah. They'd been away from God. Now they're serving God. He was doing everything right. And after doing all these things right, Hezekiah faced a real challenge, but it was his, his outlook in the middle of this that made such a huge difference. Let's read his story. After these deeds of faithfulness, talking about Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah and he camped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself built up all the wall that was broken, raised it to the towers, built up another wall outside. And he also repaired the Milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate and gave them encouragement saying, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria nor before all the multitude that's with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah was doing everything right, and all of a sudden, here comes the enemy against him. But Hezekiah was smart. Hezekiah never gave in to that victim's mentality. You know what I mean by victim's mentality? 
It, it's that mentality that says, you're going to blame somebody. Well, I just can't believe that this happened. And why did this happen? You, you never see Hezekiah do the, why God, why me? Why are we dealing with this? He, he never went there. It's a waste of time. Instead, Hezekiah got busy limiting the enemy's options. So he said, hey, listen, we got all this water. We shouldn't let them come and find water. So they got together. They stopped the water. So they, they stopped giving, giving access to the enemy. And not only did that, he, he repaired the broken parts of the city and then built up another additional walls. So what he's doing is strengthening himself against the enemy, not giving the enemy as much opportunity to win. Then he got them together and he got all the people together and he began to, he began to talk to them and his words were, were helping them look at this, their situation from a different perspective. So he pulls them together and he goes, hey, be strong and be very courageous. Don't be afraid or dismayed because of the king of Assyria and because of all the multitude that are with him. But he doesn't stop there. Listen, every time that God says, don't be afraid, don't fear, be strong, be courageous, he will always give you reasons why. So he doesn't just say, hey, don't be afraid. Hezekiah said, hey, listen, don't be afraid. I need you to push back on fear. I need you to be strong and courageous. And then he said, here's the reasons why. He said, there's more with us than there are with him. Wait, what? We can see this whole multitude, Hezekiah, and you're saying there's more with us than with him. You know, there's old math, new math, and God's math. God's math is different. When you're looking at God's math is, we're not just limited by what we can see. There's a realm beyond that that says, there's a God who's bigger, and the God who's bigger is the one who's on our side. And so he began to say, hey, listen, we don't have to be afraid because we've got a God who is with us, and there's more with us. He said, all they've got is flesh. All they have got is limited flesh. But we've got a God who can help us and can fight our battles for us. And the Bible said that the people begin to uh, strengthen themselves in Hezekiah. They're strengthened on his words. His words brought help. His words brought life. His words brought strength. So in that situation, we can take a look at Hezekiah. And by the way, spoiler alert, God did deliver them and got them completely out of it. Someone's having a seizure. All right, let's stop and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. We ask you for your healing power and your comfort and your peace in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that. We thank you for comfort. We thank you for healing in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. We've got a great team of folks. The team you see coming here are all a bunch of volunteers who, who have... And we'll keep you filled in on what's going on. But I believe she's going to be all right. So this, this is where we'll go from that. Let's talk a little bit about, about how do we develop an uncommon outlook in times like this. How can we do that? Well, I like some of the pattern that we see from Hezekiah. One of the things we have to do is we have to give the enemy no foothold. So what do you mean give the enemy no foothold? Paul wrote the church at Corinth, and this is what he said. He said, actually in Ephesians, he said, nor give place to the devil. That word place means an opportunity to the devil. He said, don't give, Hezekiah stopped the waters from, from aiding and abetting the, the king of Assyria. We have to give the enemy no place, the devil no place. You say, well, hang on now. I don't know if I believe in the devil. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. yes. 
Well, Jesus talked to the devil. Do you believe that Paul was inspired of God? All of Paul's letters talk about the devil. So did Peter. So did Jude. So did John. So did James. Every New Testament, every New Testament writer addresses the devil. They don't magnify the devil. They address the devil. But we have an enemy. We have an adversary. He's defeated. He's been beaten. But we don't need to give him any access to us. You say, well, well, that's man. That's good, Alan. I, I don't, man. I don't sleep. I don't sleep around. I don't kill people, and I don't abuse drugs and alcohol. Good. That's a great start. But the context of this was actually Paul said, stop lying and check your unchecked anger. Where'd y'all go? <laughs> y'all are as quiet as the online people. They're like, wait, oh, oh. <laughs> Basically what he's saying is, if you know in your heart what to do and, it, and it's giving the enemy place, stop doing it. Just cut it off. Stop it. We're not going to go there anymore. But then the second thing that we see Hezekiah do that we can begin to do is to build up the strong, build up the weak places in our life, the weak areas in our life, the areas where we're broken. I want you to stay with me for just a little bit because this, as I was, as I was putting this together, I thought, you know, we need to stop being negative. But it's one thing to tell people to stop being negative. It's another thing to give reasons why and to help people stop being negative. When I was in the ninth grade, I went to a junior high, looked a little country school, and in my junior high, we had seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And we had a junior high dance, which were just moments of awkwardness. Um, junior high dance, little country school, and I liked this little girl named Sonia Winfrey. And so we had fast dancing, slow dancing, right? So fast dancing was a bunch of white kids dancing awkwardly and uh, <laughs> slow dancing was basically you'd have two people just kind of would grope each other and, and, and walk around like this and stay out of the chaperone's eye. So that was really about all there was. And so the slow dance time came and I like Sonia Winfrey. I'm heading directly for Sonia Winfrey and Sonia Winfrey sees me and just does a, a turn and goes and slow dances with Alan Willard. I'm like, Wow, that's the rejection, bam. So me and my two buddies who were there who were also struck out, we were all 0 for 3. My mom picks us up. You know you're in junior high when your mom picks you up from the dance. And so we're, we're driving home, but mom's driving home and we're all kind of quiet. And I go down to my room and, and this will really date me, but FM radio had just become big. And I put on... My, my radio, I live by the radio, and the Bee Gees were playing. Now, this was the Bee Gees before the 70s. This, this was the, they were playing a 60s Bee Gees song. So I'm sitting there listening, all of a sudden I hear, hey, hey, how can you mend a broken heart? How can a loser ever win? Please help me mend my broken heart and let me love again. Na, 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 na. And I thought, that's me, man. I am so, I, I am so brokenhearted. And um, later on, I grew up and Sonia grew up and I'm like, okay, no problem. But I got over it. But here's the thing. We talk about broken heart and we think it's relegated to a junior high or high school romance. And yet, a broken heart is more to that. 
the news. And today we're, we're talking a lot about mental health. Guys, we're not talking enough about spiritual health because they're interrelated. They're connected. I want to show you something out of the, out of the book of Proverbs. One chapter in Proverbs, three areas that talks about the heart. So we'll go here. It says in Proverbs 15, 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. By sorrow of the heart. So it's contrasting. A merry heart, someone that we don't use the word merry as much, but that means someone who's happy. Someone who's got a, a merry outlook. By, by a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit's broken. Listen, sorrow's not just a junior high thing. Sorrow's not a gender thing. Sorrow is, is a reality. How many people are sorrowful now because of their life didn't turn out like they thought it would? Or they had a regret, or they didn't do something, or somebody didn't do something for them, or they've experienced loss, and that sorrow gets in your heart. I think that was part of the biggest problem with the church during the pandemic as people got isolated, as they heard all that negative news. I think that sorrow made people weak on the inside. The Bible never said the sorrow of the world is your strength. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the sorrow can wear you down on the inside. Now, here's, an, here's another verse. It's again talking about the heart. This is in New Living. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. So again, he's giving a contrast. He's saying someone who's despondent. You know, if you ever had one of those days, you've just had a bad day, everything is awful and you feel awful, then everything around you is awful. He said, for someone who is despondent, someone who's unhappy on the inside, every day's a problem. He said, someone who is a happy heart, man, life is good. So in other words, it's not just, it's not just the circumstances we're in, it's our heart condition in the middle of that. And so what happens is so much of the time, we're thinking mental health, mental health, we need to focus on heart health. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. And so you say, well, you know, Alan, I just wasn't, I'm just not an optimistic person. I just wasn't born happy. Listen, I don't know if anybody's born happy. Usually you're born upset and the doctor slaps you. And then you're, you're just, just, I don't think being born happy is the key, but you can have a happy heart. In, in Proverbs, it says anxiety, heaviness in the heart makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. You say, well, I need a good word. You got a whole Bible full of good words where God has said good things to us and those words can make us glad on the inside. And how we are on the inside impacts our outlook on the outside. And you say, well, man, I, I've got sorrow or you know, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside. Can I fix it? Yeah. Or sometimes you hear guys say, oh, I'm 6'5 I'm and weigh 250 and so with no body fat. I don't have a broken, listen, I don't care how you look on the outside, how you look on the inside is a completely different thing. And so what can we do about that? Well, here's, here's what it says again in Proverbs, same chapter. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Would you leave that up there just for a second? That wholesome tongue is talking about, it's not talking about a G-rated tongue. He said, actually the word is a healing tongue. It says, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Jody, we got, would you fill me in? We do, she's doing better. Okay. Okay, good. Good. 
And we believe she'll continue to get better. The, um, <laughs> wholesome tongue, perverseness. That word perverse is not like, we think of perverse like, oh, you nasty. We're not talking about nasty. We're talking about crooked. And so he says a healing tongue is, is, is life. A crooked tongue is a break in the spirit. Um, my kids can't tell you all the positive things that I've said about them, but I can tell you this. They can remember the negative things I said when I was angry because it, it, it breaks. Parents, let me tell you, your words can build your children or break your children and can break them on the inside. And uh, you say a, a crooked tongue. Well, what's, what, what's a crooked tongue mean? Well, if God is saying this about you and you're saying this about you, there's some crookedness there. In other words, if God's saying you're a new creation, old things have passed away and all things have become new. You're more than a conqueror. You are blessed. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. If God is saying these things about you, then we don't need to be saying, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I just, my life isn't working well. It's not going well. You need to use your words to help heal yourself. Your words need to be healing words. Your words need to be words of God. I want to thank you that I am. I do not feel this way, but Lord, I want to thank you. I'm exactly who you say I am. If you say I'm strong, I'm strong. If you say I am blessed, I am blessed. If you say I am healed, I am healed. God, I'm going to line my words up with your words because your words are healing words. And they heal. They can heal the people around you. They can heal you. They can make such a difference in your life. So, as we, and and I, this is a big subject, and I, I, want, I want to dig into this more. Because like I said, we keep talking mental health, mental health, mental health. I think spiritual health has a big deal to do with it. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. We need to guard our inner life, not just what, what's going on. We need to get strong on the inside, because the stronger we are on the inside, the stronger our outlook and our perspective will be on the outside. So we stop doing what gives place to the enemy. We begin to build up the broken places in our life. And then the last one is this. We bring more of God into our life. You say, well, how in the world do I do that? Well, first thing is, you need to know what he said. So as you begin to read your Bible, and we encourage everyone to read Bible 365. We do devotionals. We have lots of things for you. Why? We're trying to help you hear what God said. Not because it's a duty. It's because it will help you and heal you and strengthen you. you begin to, we begin to know what he said. And then here's one of the best connectors that you'll have if you can just begin to praise him and thank him. You know, sometimes we get in, in this mode where we're just praying and praying and praying and praying and begging and praying and praying and crying out and upset and talking about it and it's negative. What if we just stop and go, you know what? I've done that for a while and it's not helping me. What if we just begin to do what the psalmist said in Psalms 34.1? He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. One of the best things you can do, and you've been going, you know, I just, nothing ever works for me, and nothing ever turns out right, and I just think God's forgotten me. Forget that. That's not helping you. Put this in your mouth. Lord, I want to thank you that you're good, and you're God, and you're helping me. Lord, I want to thank you that if you're for me, and if you're for me, then it doesn't matter who's against me. Lord, I want to thank you that you are helping me. I want to praise you and thank you. Listen, when you first start that, that will not feel normal to your mouth. When you first start praising God, it feels like... Pray, praise you, hallelujah, praise you. You think, nah, that doesn't sound right. Listen, 
You're not doing it to record. You're doing it to honor him. You're doing it to give him praise. And here's what you're going to find. It's a great connector. Because when you're praising, you begin to praise and thank God, you become aware of him. You begin to realize, thank you, Father, you're real. Thank you, Father, you're helping us. Walk around our house just going, thank you, Lord, thank you. You're good to me. Thank you. The Lord's good. Now, if you, like I said, if you've never done that, and you, 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 you say, the Lord's good, and your spouse looks at you like you grew a third eye. You're just looking small and just this. But here's the deal. Here's what I encourage people. Do it privately. Begin to thank God privately. If you can do it privately, then it, it'll, it'll just become a natural part of you. I think the Bible talks a lot, guys, and it talks a lot about praising and rejoicing and worshiping. Say, why does it talk so much about that, praising God? Is God insecure? Does he need our praise? Let me tell you something. God doesn't need our praise. We need to praise him because when we do, we begin to lift our perspective from beyond what we can see to the realm that's not seen. And we begin to thank a God that says, God, I know what the doctor said. I know what other people said. I know what my family said. But what you say is bigger and what you say is stronger. I want to thank you, Lord, that I'm on your side and you're on my side. Thank you, Lord. I bless you. I praise you. Just go ahead and practice it. You'll get good at it. But when you do, you begin to, you begin to create an awareness and you're bringing God into your outlook. I read it recently of an interview with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is, just did a very successful series, the ultra-violent series, John Wick. This is not Alan endorsing that movie. <laughs> There's a whole lot of people die in that movie. This is Alan talking about an interview that John, that Keanu Reeves did. Here's what he did. They were talking to him and they, and people have resonated with his character. He's an assassin, kills a lot of people. And he starts killing people after he's grieving the loss of his wife. His wife had died in the movie. His wife had died. And then someone kills his dog. Oh, no, you didn't. I'm already down and you just killed my dog. And so he goes off on, on a murderous rampage. Now, we're talking to Keanu and he said this. He said, he said in, the, in any kind of movie, he said, you have the role that's on paper. You have the director's vision. He said, but then you add your life experience to give it life. And Keanu Reeves began to talk about his life experience. He had a little daughter named Ava who was born stillborn. Two years later, he lost his girlfriend in a, in a car accident. And Keanu Reeves said this. He said, that grief and that loss, he said, is always with you. You're never able to escape it. It's always there. I thought when I, when I read that, I, I thought, mm, I wish he knew what I knew. I wish he knew who I knew. Because the thing about it is the Bible said, especially all of us have had loss. I'm not minimizing his loss. To lose a baby, to lose a, to lose a girlfriend in, in a car accident, I'm not minimizing that at all. But so many of us have had loss. Maybe it's the loss of a child. Maybe it's loss of parents. I've lost, I, both my parents have died and they've gone on to heaven. But that's the difference. Because my perspective doesn't stop here. Death is not final. And the Bible says we don't sorrow as them that have no hope. Sorrow is there. It's real. But we don't sorrow as them that have no hope. I have both my parents. They are not here. But I know that I will see them again because they died in the Lord. They knew the Lord. I know I'm going to see them again. 
Are you sad? Yes. But it's a sadness that's tinged with hope because you know this world is not the end. There's a realm beyond this. And we know that we'll see them again and that brings hope. If you, I've talked to people over the years who've lost babies and had, had, and had uh, miscarriages and I've, I've just told them, you're going to see that child again. God is the father of spirits and those children go with him and when you see him again, they're going to be happy. They're going to be good. It's a different realm that we experience. It's a different outlook we have on life. And guys, there's a world that needs our perspective because there's a world that's going, it's bad. It's horrible. It's never going to get better. And we're going, hey, 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 we know somebody that can, is bigger than all this. We know somebody that this world is not all there is. We know somebody that there's a place that you can go and it's going to be good. And by the way, he'll get involved with you and help you now. And that gives us an uncommon outlook, an uncommon belief about the future that this world so desperately needs. Would you bow your heads with me? Please, no one leaving or moving. We, we, we'll be out of here just a moment. But if you came and said, Alan, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I've made him my Lord and Savior, or I'm just not sure, but I want to be. Or maybe you're like I was. I was raised in church and got away from God and knew that. And knew in my heart I, I was away from him, but knew in my heart I didn't want to live that way. And so when I had an opportunity, I came back. I came, came back into fellowship. This morning, I want to say a prayer. You've never made Jesus your Lord or you're not sure this is a prayer that can solidify that in your heart. If you've been away from him and you know you need to come back, this can solidify that in your heart. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you. We're not going to try to embarrass you. That's not the point. The point is to connect you. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around. If that's you, though, that I'm talking to, I am going to ask you to do the one thing. I'm going to ask you, say, Alan, that's me, and I would like your prayers. Would you quickly just shoot your hand up across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hand down. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to. You did not miss your opportunity. This is a heart prayer. We're going to join you as a church family. Now, if you're watching online, you can pray this. You by yourself, pray it out loud. If you will, others pray quietly. If you're here, pray this prayer with us out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. With head still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who've come out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who've come home. Father, we rejoice with them. And Father, for those of us who are here, those of us who have thought that maybe this is the end and that their outlook stops with their story, thank you that your story is bigger and you're bigger and for helping us to enlarge our hearts and heal the broken places in us. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.